the art for especially real estate agents is to start telling stories that evoke emotions using just words and not special effects and all the movie tricks. You've got to get them to care with your stories. And, and you do that by being real. You do that by being relatable and you do that by being relevant. They're the three core ingredients to a story. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Hey everyone, it's Elevate podcast producer Cass Charlesworth here and today we're talking content, which might indeed be king, but as we all know, not all of it's created equal. So what does it take to get attention for the right reasons at a time when there's lots of content in the marketplace and your audience's attention span is getting shorter? My guest today has the singular aim of helping one million people attract an inordinate amount of attention. And it just turns out that some of those he assists happen to be real estate agents. Welcome to the show, Jonathan Creek. Thank you very much. Awesome. It's great to have you here. And I wanted to start out with a bit of background and context because your name may well indeed sound familiar to people and not just because of the British series that has the same name, um, but you have graced our television screens as an investigative journalist. Uh, what prompted your love of storytelling and why journalism? Well, Thanks, Cassandra. It's great to be on the show. I always wanted to be a journalist. Uh, I don't know what it was ever since I was a young uh, kid, about seven or eight. I actually grew up in a street in middle-class Mount Waverley, which is middle-class Melbourne. It was pretty white bread and Vegemite out there uh, in the 80s. And I think it was my my next-door neighbour was an older fellow. He had a single daughter, but he didn't have sons, and he sort of he was sort of like my second dad almost. I hang around with him, but he was also the postmaster. And when he retired, he bought himself a video camera for his retirement holiday to Hawaii. And when he came back, I was just fascinated that he'd been able to make his own movies. I think it helped that it was Hawaii and it was sort of so foreign to me and beautiful. And then he ended up allowing me to sort of use his camera as well. He'd lend it out to me and I just started making my own movies around the street in Mount Waverley and it was just something that I found fascinating and even to the point where you know I was about eight years of age and I think there were 24 kids under the age of 16 in that street and so we used to play this game called road rules where you'd get out on your bikes and they were cars and we had white lines drawn down the middle of the footpath and everyone had some sort of a shop out the front of their house now that made for a lot of really bad lemonade stands. It was just the, the demand for lemonade. Uh, it was just everywhere in that street. That's all you could get. But for me, I sort of thought, well, I'm not going to be another lemonade stand. I'm actually going to be the media company that broadcasts the advertising for the, for the lemonade stand. So I had the fire hydrant in the front of my house and I had this sort of spike hit, which allowed kids to tune in with their Walkmans to me talking over a radio. And, and so I used to invite the lemonade stand owners to, um, to come and talk about their how theirs was the best and all that sort of stuff. And so that was my love of media and storytelling and journalism. And, and then everyone was like, Oh, 
you're going to be a sports reporter. Go, you know, you're going to love it. You should be a sports reporter. And I didn't want to be a sports reporter. I actually wanted to be a war correspondent because I wanted to tell the stories of people who uh, needed the most help. And so all the way through high school, every careers teacher I ever spoke to said, there's no chance, there's no demand, there's not, you know, TV stations are shrinking. Um, you know, I think my dad sat me down and said, listen, you can't, you know, you're probably not going to work for SBS. You're probably not in the right mold for the ABC because you're too commercial. Um, so if we look at all the TV stations, there's probably only about 36 jobs here in Melbourne. You've got a better chance of making an AFL list. And I said, well, if the AFL players can do it, I can do it. And I was just so blind. It was such a beautiful place to be too, to be so blind to the knockers and to believe in myself so much to just go for it that I never thought I was not going to do it. Where I was so different now. I've got my own kids. It's like, I think, you know, a lot of people after what we've been through the last two years can have a lot of self-doubt about what's going to happen. But I think back to those days, you've just triggered those memories for me now. And it's like, no, it just wasn't not going to happen. That's incredible self-belief. And it used to be very hard to get into the media. It's a different kettle of fish now with social media. It's a very different landscape. But 20, 30 years ago, mm. it was tough going. You really had to earn your stripes um, in the field, actually. It was tough. The way that I did it was that I was at university at Monash here. I, was, I didn't get into the journalism course at RMIT that everyone told you you had to get into to be a journalist. And I didn't make it. And I'd gone to a pretty well-known school here in Melbourne. Um, and so I was a little bit disappointed I didn't make it, but I thought, no, nah, not going to stop me. So I was doing arts business at Monash. And so I transferred to a country university, which my parents were like, what are you doing? I'm like, no, no, I've got to go to the country because that's where they need journalists. And every holidays, April, uh, Easter, September, summer, I worked for free at the local TV station. And guess what happened? One day they needed help. Yeah, eventually you get your break. It's brilliant. And it's the same with real estate too. Often people start out and they really have to work hard to, to get something that they really, really want. Now, coming from that journalistic background and with that history of telling stories from such a young age, what are the ingredients of a really good story? Is it possible to define? It is really possible to define good stories. I I don't know if we know, I can share too much of my background, but once I left Channel 7, I went on this voyage to find the one script fits all to viral video success. And I wanted to just run a production company that made viral videos for companies like Red Bull, um, Coca-Cola, you know, all these cool brands, because I thought if I was able to start a production company that did that sort of stuff, I wouldn't have to grow up. I could just stay an immature college sort of kid uh, all the way through my life and have a great time. It was when Jackass uh, and those sorts of guys and groups of guys were getting around and it just seemed to be a really cool thing to do. But the investigative side of my brain was not allowing me to just fall for the easy, make your videos this way and they're going to go viral. I actually had to know why people shared. And so a six-month journey of discovery turned out to end up being four years I traveled all around the world. I spoke to the likes of people like James Cameron, who created Avatar and Titanic. Um, a lot of producers from Star Wars, which is my favorite movie, which uses some really well-known story frameworks. Um, and in the end, um, and lots of psychologists at universities and human behaviorists. 
and there is formats to storytelling. The problem is it's different for every person who tells a story. So Hollywood uses what is known as the Hollywood plot, which is a five stage story framework. And the brain is really tuned to receive those and pay attention to those. And so earlier when you uh, mentioned that, you know, the attention spans of humans are shrinking, I sort of argue against that a little bit, to be honest, and my research uh, shows it to be otherwise. The reason why attention spans in the data appear to be shrinking, and we're getting off topic a little bit, but I think you'd be interested in this, is because they've got more video content or content than ever before. And so the brain's getting a lot more discerning about what it's investing its time in. And so when you look at the data from pages like BuzzFeed and all these others that says we're evolving to have the attention spans of goldfish, uh, it's actually not true because you can still go to the movies and and I've done this and I do it, I still do it every now and then, my kids laugh at me, go and sit in the hallway outside the movie cinemas, the one with the squishy carpet that's in the dark, smells like popcorn, just sit on the sticky bench that's next between cinema two and three and wait your two minutes and 17 seconds for everyone's attention spans to dissolve and then all the goldfish-headed humans run out. It doesn't happen. And it's because of the art of storytelling. So uh, the good elements of storytelling or what allows people to connect is emotional based. You've got to get people to share, uh, to care before you can get them to buy in and, and stay there. And there's a lot of tricks that Hollywood uses to um, induce greater emotive effect. And it's probably a lot harder to do on a mobile phone than a cinema that's dark with surround sound. So the art for especially real estate agents, is to start telling stories that evoke emotions using just words and not special effects and all the movie tricks. So they've actually almost got to be better storytellers than the movie guys because their storytelling can be hidden by orchestral music, um, you know, special effects, all that sort of stuff. But the elements is, you know, you've got to get them to care with your stories and, and you do that by being real you do that by being relatable and you do that by being relevant. They're the three core ingredients to a story. Excellent. And that's a really good point. We, we don't go racing out of movies. Um, we can still sit and binge Netflix for hours on end. Like we, that attention span is there, but it's got to be worth investing in. So when it comes to being real, relatable and relevant, um, how, do, yeah. how does the real estate industry embrace this? Because... Um, what, there are big challenges for agents when it comes to marketing both properties and marketing themselves. Where, where do they begin? Where should they start? Well, I'm a big believer of personality-driven storytelling uh, because the, there's a couple of challenges in real estate, particularly when it comes to social media. Is that they first everyone and this is this is this is human society wide. Not everyone's trained in being a broadcaster. Not everyone has the skills and even me of, you know, with 20 odd years of broadcasting and telling other people's stories every day, uh, I don't always get it right either because it is a complex, always moving scenario. That's not to say you shouldn't try and have a go because it is a bit difficult because those who crack the code really do benefit massively from it. Um, and the way that social media works now, particularly for real estate agents and why I like uh, deploying my strategies among real estate agents is that you can actually own the airwaves on social media in your territory around a particular topic. So if you're a real estate agent, whenever anyone 
in your area that you continually refer to and talk about has a real estate inquiry or asks their friends about real estate or searches online about real estate, you can then very easily place your content in front of them. And if you're smart enough and tuned into society enough, what we call the zeitgeist or the mood of the moment, you can then answer their questions without them even having to search for you to answer their questions. And Facebook's probably the best at it. TikTok's showing some real signs of being better even again. But I think the greatest example is Facebook and the Facebook feed and how it uses a number of its apps to achieve this success. It doesn't just use Facebook. It's got a few other tricks up its sleeve. If you sit with your friends at a cafe having a coffee and you have your phones on the on the table and you start talking about dogs i don't know what your favorite dog is cassandra but mine's a king charles cavalier i love them border collie uh, yeah or a golden retriever border collie i love border collies my kids want a border collie puppy at the moment and i think we're close so we talk about these sorts of dogs that we love uh, or that we need a kennel or a bed or a what or, or need to get the dog washed i guarantee you within 24 hours if you visit your Facebook feed at least three times in that 24 hours, you'll get ads and content based on dogs. It's true. Yeah. There's even that scenario where people say, wow, I was just having a conversation with Jenny down the street and now I'm looking at my Facebook page and they're posting content to me about that conversation. How did they know it's like they read my mind? Well, they didn't read your mind, they read your data and then they pinpointed content to match it. The advantage, the biggest advantage for real estate agents is that they're seeing this happen to them in their day-to-day lives, but they're not taking advantage of it in their business life. Are you saying that they're seeing it happen on social media or they're seeing it happen with the questions that they're being asked by just people that they're speaking with as well? They're seeing it happen to them when they're talking about the jet skis that they want to buy and the boats that they want to buy and the dogs they want to buy their kids. Yeah. It's happening to them every day. Wow, how did that? How did they know that I wanted that motorbike? I was only talking to George about that yesterday, and now they're sending me a, an ad for it. How did they do that? So it works really well in the business manager, the ads platform of Facebook to be able to find that stuff. But what a lot of people overlook is it also works with organic content if you make the right type of content, because Facebook's aim is to keep people on there for longer. So if you can make the content that's relevant to the answers people are seeking at the time, then your content's going to get served up to the people having those conversations, even if they don't follow you. Now, if I was starting out, I'm an agent starting out and I really want to build my social media presence, particularly on somewhere like Facebook, where would you start? What, what's the first thing you, you, how would you step through it? What strategies would you use and where would you begin? Firstly, I'd say don't overcomplicate it. Keep it very simple. You know, I go into a lot of agencies, I work with a number of them and the complexity around their setups, around business pages and private profiles and all this sort of stuff, it's too hard. It's too complicated. There's too much technology involved. They've got CRMs. They've got auto-posting bots. They've got all this sort of stuff. Get rid of it all. Chuck it all in the bin and be human. Use your personal profile uh, because that's what Facebook wants you to do. They want you to be human to human using a digital device. And that allows them, Facebook, A, to get more data, but in return for sharing greater data, they'll give you greater reach and return. So there is a cost to it. Um, and you know, for some people, they don't want to mix their personal profiles with their business profiles. 
So what I'd be suggesting is that personal profiles outperform business pages at the moment because Facebook's pretty clever. They go, well, if that's a business page, then you've got money to promote it because that's what humans are conditioned to do. So for your business page to work, you've got to be prepared to spend money. Now, call me tight, call me whatever. I don't like spending money. If I can get something for free, I'd rather get the free version if it's just as good rather than have to spend. I only want to spend when I need to spend. So a lot of a lot of agents could actually be getting better results, spending less money and just focusing on making better content. So if you're starting out as your own operator on day one, just start making video content, get comfortable with yourself on camera, find a safe space. Like don't make your first videos out in a crowd or in the middle of an open inspection when you've got 20 people coming through or in your office where all your colleagues are going to judge you. Find a safe space. Find your car. Like the car is the best because it's soundproof. It's got a big windscreen at the front of it, which lets in a really nice light. So it makes you look good. And it's got a little shelf at the front there that you can balance your phone on so it's not moving around and jiggling around making noise. So you just sit it on your dash you got the light, you got the soundproofing, and then just start sharing your expertise because with real estate, that's your value. That's your advantage is your expertise. And once you start sharing it, and I'd say at least three times a week minimum, once you're sharing it, then that starts giving the algorithms the data that they need to start sending the right people to you. So if you do three times a week over 28 days, you'll be in a completely different position than day one. Have you got any tips for topics that you could be covering? As you mentioned, there's lots of topics in real estate, but but what are some of the ones that agents might be missing that they should tap into? Well, well I always see, and I cringe a little bit when real, particularly when interest rates go up. When interest rates go up, my Facebook feed just blows up with all these all these real estate agents telling me that the average mortgage has just gone up by two hundred seventy seven dollars a month, and it's like, well, what's the value in that to me? There isn't really a value in that to me because the news has already told me. So tell me, how does it affect the market? How does it affect the decisions that I need to make? So really put yourself in the minds of the consumer, the minds of your potential buyer, seller, landlord, vendor, whatever it is. Um, So really just get more in tune. I wouldn't say that there's one or two topics. I'd just say you have to be really in tune with your local community. Because if you look at, you know, probably the best at it is Lisa Novak, and I've been lucky enough to work with her over the years. Um, She only rarely talks about Sydney's northern beaches. She knows that suburb inside and out. And for the poor agents that are there now, they almost won't be able to catch her in social media, in the social media space, unless she stops because she owns it. She's so far in front. The advantage or the opportunity for other agents outside the area is to own their patch too. And so if they start talking about the issues and the challenges and the things that are on the minds of the people in their area, rather than try and make videos for an audience of everyone, because if you do make videos for an audience of everyone, you'll end up with an audience of no one, but just get really micro on your patch and become the hero of your patch. I mean, if you walk down the street with Lisa now, she's awesome. She's an absolute workhorse. Like I've, it's incredible how hard she works, um, but that's how she does it. That's her thing. She walks down the street now and she's taking selfies and almost signing autographs. I mean, a selfie is a modern day autograph. Um, they know her and they love her. And you know, there's going to be people who 
when it comes to their real estate buying decision in the next two years, five years, or 10 years, they're going to remember how much they like her and they're going to reach out to her or they're going to refer her. Um, it's got an endless business engine off making free videos that cost her nothing but three or four minutes a day. Yeah, and she is a standout in this space and she has been for absolutely years. We've spoken to her on numerous occasions about some of the strategies she uses because she's exceptional at it and, yeah, one of, one of the best in the business. You mentioned before about the... Um, the personal page, using that personal page as opposed to that business page. And you've also touched on it there. Um, Lisa is known as the local expert, but it's but it's also because people recognize her and they know, like, and trust her. So you're probably encouraging agents, I imagine, to, to get personal, to be real, to reveal a bit of their personality. This isn't a polished performance that should be on those videos, is it? This is the real human. No. So the biggest mistake you can make, and I learned this before before I became a journalist, I my first job was at Channel 9 and it was the title was Commercial Inventory Manager. And I don't know if you understand what a commercial inventory manager is, Cassandra, but it actually means that I sit there, I sat there for two and a half years of my life watching every TV commercial that comes into the station and approving it before it was allowed to go to air. Wow. That's hard, Yakka. Yeah, 8,126 hours of my life getting paid to watch TV ads. I pretty quickly learnt what was annoying, but I also pretty quickly learnt what was memorable and how they did it. And the memorable ones were the ones that were, A, using stories, and B, not too polished. And so a lot of real estate agents, uh, particularly when you get to the inner wealthier suburbs, they think that their videos need to um, be Hollywood productions. And the truth of the matter is the more you produce and polish content, the more distance you're actually creating between yourself and the viewer. You're extending the distance in what we call the fourth dimension. And that's not what you want to do because you're actually creating space where people can't connect to you. You've seen as unattainable movie stars, pop cultures taught us this. You don't bump into movie stars just walking down the street. If you see a famous footballer, you sort of freeze a little bit you don't want to, you don't just say g'day like you would to a normal person. And this is what the polish and production causes. And so when you transfer it to social media and, and video content, the best videos that I love in the viral space, and I, I watched over 1,200 of them when I was doing the research, the ones that worked the best were the ones where you actually sat there and you're like, is this set up or is this real? I'm not sure. Like this is filmed on a phone but it seems to be some sort of a trick to get me to a website linked to a big brand. I'm not sure what's, you know, and it was that doubt that actually made it intriguing. What agents can do and anyone in business can do is, is share themselves a bit better. Sure, if you're a part of a big brand and there's brand standards and brand stories and brand rules, then you don't go against those, but you need to operate as a human within those boundaries. And you know, and I think also owners have to come up to this as well. If you've got a sales team and you're willing to allow those sales teams to go into appraisals as humans, you also need to allow them to be human on social media because they're the same people. You can't say, hey, on social media, you're not allowed to go, you know, you're not allowed to speak like this or you're going to do your tie up perfectly, you know, or you're, you know, you're, you're sitting in a car, you need to be in a green screen studio. Like, that ruins the vibe, the feel and the connection. So my 
my discussions always with the owners is if you trust them enough to be out in the street wearing your badge, carrying your clipboard, running your auctions, hosting your open inspections, then you need to trust them enough to be able to make their own content and not over control it and sanitize it. Absolutely. And let that personality shine through because we know that more and more people are attracted to people rather than brands. So it's it's that personal connection that that um, sellers and vendors and, and, and property owners feel with an agent that actually tips them over as opposed to the name of the brand. Well, what's really interesting, if we go back to the start of our conversation, we're talking about the emotional motivation to make people watch content. Emotions control everything and buying a house or selling a house is a really emotional transaction. And so, if you can't connect from a human to human level and have an emotional connection, someone's not going to trust you with an emotional decision unless the emotional connections already started to be there. That brings me to another point, which is about um, we see a lot of just listed, just sold um, marketing on social media. So when it comes to marketing a property, not just marketing the agent themselves, is there a better way to market a property via storytelling on social media using video? Absolutely, I think there is. Uh, I think you get some of those special properties that are unique and they really lend themselves to great storytelling. But most houses do have a story. Um, I just think that agents and agencies deploy the house tour videos at the wrong spot in the sales funnel. Okay. I'm an online marketing person. I spent 2014 to 2019 heavily in the online marketing space, helping people sell high creating content for people selling high ticket through to low ticket high volume stuff and so yeah the sorts of guys that have seven websites for one product and they change the shade of the color of the headline to see if it converted at slightly higher percentage that sort of tweaking really deep and i think when and that really taught me about funnels and where where the customer is when you're connecting with them and not connecting to them with the sale too early. And in fact, I was just on the phone to a person before uh, we started this podcast and he was talking about house tour videos as well. I think house tour videos are good. They're really good for touring a house. They've been refined over years and years and years of best practice. Um, you know, they're down pat now, they're stylish. The, the people filming them have got them down. You can get a real feel for the home. But it's a completely different tool than just posting it on social media. If you get a house, I always refer to 123 Wombat Drive, four bedroom house, double garage with an in-ground swimming pool. If you get that video and post it on Facebook, it's really showing that you don't understand how the Facebook algorithm works. Because the chances of someone who's in the market to buy that house for that price in that street at the moment you post it on Facebook is basically zero to none. What you need to be doing is you need to be forming that relationship ahead of time with value and help and insights. And then when the person connects and reaches out to you and says, this is what I'm in the market for, or this is the sort of property I'm searching for, then you send them the links to the videos for the houses that you know suit them best. Yeah. So you're actually putting a filter on the top. Uh, you're not going straight in for the sale. We see it all the time. Sold sticker with the vendor. I don't know who that's serving. I don't know if the, the vendor was all that comfortable with being in the photo most of the time when you look at them. Um, 
It is sort of telling the market in an advertising way that, hey, you sell houses. So I suppose there's that benefit. But beyond that, it really doesn't resonate. You're not going to get that many people outside your friends group other than your mum and maybe your wife saying, great job, honey. Yeah, that was awesome. Good luck. Great. That's not really going to, it's not going to evoke anyone to take action. And it's the same with the house tour video. If you're not in the sales process or mind for that particular property you're not going to engage with it and social media content is all about engagement and the moment you have a bad video that doesn't get engagement your next three are going to suffer because they get penalized sure every now and then you can miss or you can drop a sale and every now and then in my content i drop a sale i'll tr i'll go straight to the sale but i i'm aware enough to know that the next three are going to get hurt because i understand how it works that's really interesting. Yeah, but for people who don't understand how it works, stop going straight for the sale. Add a little bit of romance to your communications. Like, <laughs> we all like a little bit of romance, don't we, Cassandra? Yeah, wine and dine me first, please. Yeah. Um, That's right. <laughs> you mentioned before that often um, it, it becomes overcomplicated. There are too many tools involved in the process. What is your tool list for creating great video content on social media? What do agents need? The phone. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. The phone and the knowledge to tell a good story. The, the battleground of the future is content. Um, you know, we see it all the time. We see the evolution of, of YouTube, the evolution of Facebook, the evolution of Instagram, the evolution of TikTok. The first adopters get on there and they just put anything, any sort of content on there, right? Just to fill it. That's all they do. And then as it gets older and more people come, then it becomes a battle of who can create the best content. Right? And those who create the best content win. So for businesses right across the board, it's not a matter of how much content you put out, although consistency is key. Yep. The key is how well do you connect with your content? And, and so in my business, when I did the research on viral videos, I actually ended up writing a formula that measures how much humans connect to, to a piece of content. So it was like market research. They'd sit there. I had a card with a formula. Um, I'll just get it for you. Yeah, that'd be great. You, you can see it, but the podcast probably can't. I don't know if it's video or not. But it's basically a card. We would For the big banks, we would sit people of a certain demographic in a room. So we'd get 50 Jennies, 45 to 50, and would play them videos around products aimed at 45 to 50 year olds. And they would score the card on the different things that they felt. So what was the emotion that you felt? Were there triggers in there? Uh, what were their story elements? Um, how big is the audience you're sending it to? And did you hit a hook before 10 seconds? Now they would score that stuff and the formula would spit out a number out of a hundred. Now, if the video scored over 80 out of a hundred, we knew or I knew that 87% of the people in the room were likely to share that content, no questions asked. So then we knew it would spread. And the way that Facebook groups people in filter bubbles is that we knew that the Jennies were also friends with 100 other Jennies. In fact, I think the number's 370 and 200 of them will be Jennies and 170 will be other school friends and hangers on. So we knew that if we could get that moving at a number higher than 80 that the video would spread. And that's the viral cycle. Uh, you can read more about it in my book, uh, how it works, because it is a little bit deep and I don't want to blow us away just yet. Um, 
so that's what we do with content and i think that's what people have to understand is how are you leaving people feeling what's the connection with your content you know, you're leaving them feeling a little bit icky because you're just trying to sell them something really hard and fast I think you mentioned a few things there, actually. So the first thing was emotion. How is it connecting emotionally? Um, connection. How does it make people feel? And the other one was, is there a hook within a certain time frame? So what might that hook kind yeah. of look like? Yeah, so the hooks really are, and, and I think, and getting back to the last question when I said that we're talking about what equipment people use, just a phone will do it for real estate agents. That's all you really need. And maybe a microphone. Something like a really simple, this one I've just been sent. It's a $50 radio mic system that plugs straight into your mobile phone, Android or Apple, uh, you choose. And it's got two it's got two microphones on it that are wireless up to 500 meters. And it's crystal clear for 50 bucks. When I was making videos in the street as a kid, that camera cost the guy nearly five grand with no microphones and you had to edit the video in the camera. So it's so easy nowadays. So the key is if you've got anything from an iPhone 10 onwards, I don't do Samsung, so I'm not sure what the equivalent is, but yeah, if you, if your phone's at least the last three or four years, you've got enough pixels. You just need to work on your storytelling element. Where's the hook? How do you find a hook in that story? What would that look like? So hooks uh, or what they call are actually what's known in the business as story loops. So movies will have five or six different narratives going at one time. You may not know it, but there's story loops. And if you think of my favorite movie of all time, Star Wars, uh, one of the biggest story loops was how was Princess Leia going to get the plans for the Death Star? All right. And we were sitting there going, how's she going to get this? Like, She's got that secret piece hidden in R2-D2. How are we going to get it to the, uh, to the rebels so that they can blow up the Death Star? Now, if Princess Leia had just put that on her device and emailed it to the Rebel Alliance, it would have been a pretty short movie. Star Wars is a bit quirky because they say in a galaxy um, a long time ago and far, far away, well, it's actually in the future, so um, it's, yeah, it sort of quirks me out a little bit, but a story loop is actually leaving an unanswered question or a problem driven by a desire unresolved. Excellent. So you should always start your videos with what's, what's the problem driven by a desire that your client wants resolved? That's a great tip. But don't answer it at the start. And this is James Cameron taught me this. And I'd, I'd been a journalist for 10 years when I met him and I said to him exactly what we were talking about earlier. I said, all this commentary on social media that our attention spans are dropping, you know, video should only be two minutes and 17 seconds long. People can't pay attention for that, for that long anymore. And he leant forward to me and he said, and this was meant to be during an interview on a junket uh, journalist day. And he leant into me and said, Jonathan, because you're from Australia and I love Australians, he said, um, if I promised to give you the answer to that question by the end of the day, would you hang around? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problems. Where do you want to meet? We're in the mansion of the Rockstar Energy Drink owner on Hollywood Boulevard, so it was massive. I said, I'll meet you at the tennis court or the pool or the one of the bars. What do you want to do? He goes, no, 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 no. If I promised to give you the answer by the end of today, would you hang around to get it? And I didn't understand what he was saying. And then there was the lady timekeeper next to me who nudged me and says, that's the answer. And I was like, yes, actually, yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. And then it just all, and my th 
four years of research just all fell together with that one answer. And so story loops is finding the problem driven by desire and leaving it open for a bit. So you've got time to build up the emotional buy-in so that you can hit them with the trigger at the end. And that's the viable process that I teach is I teach agents how to do that in short three to five minute videos because they're busy. They don't have time to be have a film crew around and spend half a day shooting a video for one property. They need to be like Lisa Novak and be shooting six or seven a day and leaving people engaged. Jonathan, that's excellent advice. And at this point here, I'm mindful that you've been imparting great advice now for a good 25 minutes to half an hour. So I'm going to bring us to what is our final question in every podcast. And that is, if you could leave our listeners with one key takeaway or insight today, what would it be? The key takeaway or insight today is that it's not too late to start social media. Um, To put it into context, I've been talking about this stuff and the stuff that's now in the book since 2014 and i still walk into offices today full of agents that sit there and have no idea what i'm talking about it's like i'm hitting them in the face with a wet fish and they're like what do you mean this is how it works and so it's not too late to start but you have to start because it is the future it's the way it's moving forward we can all see that not only the industry is changing but the world is changing And you need to get out there and build your profile and build your personal profile because it's going to become a business asset for you as an individual moving forward. Now, I don't want to trigger a whole lot of people changing agencies and jobs and all that sort of stuff. But if you build your own personal following in real estate, you can take it with you because it's your Facebook account, right? It's your TikTok account. It's your Instagram account. So it becomes a business asset. You become more valuable. Um, so a agent owners need to build this within their sales team to make them more effective in the market. And particularly right now where we're seeing a slowing and maybe a little bit of a retraction. Now's the time to deploy these tools and tactics because the old ways are becoming less effective. Absolutely. We always complain about people being stuck to their phones. Oh, look, we're in the public, we're in the food court. Everyone's on their phones. Everyone's on their devices. We'll go and look over those shoulders and they're on social media. And the truth of the matter is, if you were making content, you could be in front of those people on their phones in the food court on social media. That's true. Jonathan Creek, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agents' premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.